back to a new episode of The Film Rescue Show. I am joined by the horror whore, Hope. Oh, yes. I am back to my roots, and I love it. <laughs> and our returning host, Jesse, is here as well. Yes, I am here. <laughs> and we have a returning guest. Ian Jaded is here. He was on the Congo episode, I think, two seasons ago? Maybe that was three seasons ago? It was mid-pandemic, and I don't know how that time worked, if I'm being honest. The lost Ian, year. hello. How are you doing? <laughs> hello. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me back. Yes, I, I gosh, was that around the pandemic when that was going on? Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, you, you wow. had a book or two out at the same time, and uh, if, if that helps you oh, place it. it does. I was I was down in uh, Richmond yes. at the time, and I missed that episode. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jesse, you were not. That was actually weird because I think that you had asked me to be on the show. And then I think that yeah, if something yeah. happened that Jesse couldn't be there. So it was a Saturday when you guys recorded and I got booked okay. to work on a Saturday. And I was like, well, sorry, guys, can't do it. <laughs> That's right. Got it. Yes. As it goes in the industry, we understand. Well, Ian, what do you have going on lately? Before we announce what the movie is or get into the episode, what do you have going on? Yes. So, well, funny you bring up the pandemic. That is kind of what pushed me into doing all this more of this online stuff because I had just published my first book and my publishers are like hey why don't you know you know you're gonna do some like book signings and all that kind of fun stuff and then I'm like great and then literally like you know this pandemic kicked in and everyone had you know everybody's had to deal with this of just like okay new plan uh I can't do anything in person I can't do any talks in person I can't do anything like that so I I really said all right so I started just doing podcasts and whatnot and I started talking about things but my first book was Tripping the Field it is in Barnes and Noble calls it an occult science fiction which I think is a really good uh it's a good description of it. It's a lot of, uh, cool. yeah, a lot of um, philosophical stuff, a lot of sci-fi. There's a lot. It's a little bit horror. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, actually, there's a, yeah, a little bit of uh, like old style, like 80s kind of uh, horror mixed into it. Uh, some shape-shifting and whatnot, but there's also a little bit that. of science. The best uh, kind. Yeah, and some shamanism mixed into it, but it's it's just a wild ride. So I am a huge fan of just the study of narrative in general, which brings me to my last book, which I was probably kind of pushing when I uh, when I was on the show last time. My last book is just called Migration, and Migration is just a, it's more of a uh, an analysis. It's more of a research deal where I am just studying. We're talking about what narrative, the, the power of narrative on the human mind. And I find the narrative in general is fascinating to me on a lot of levels because uh, I think it's not just, you know, it's how we've learned to structure our lives in general. We've how mm -hmm. we how we structure our, you know, everything that happens in our world. It's it's so there's so much information out there, right? There's so many there's so much stimuli that's hitting us at any given time, and storylines and narratives help us kind of put it into a nice framework, you know, and mm. in that process, um, we lose some things. And we also gain some things. So that's kind of the, the study of my, of my last book migration. And I've now I'm so currently my main project is a YouTube show that's called conscious migration, which goes into all of this kind of stuff specifically about how narrative affects us. And it gets into very paranormal uh, conversations Ooh. actually so my right. my sh the show that i do gets it taps into i wouldn't say spiritual although a lot of people would refer to it as a spiritual i would say it goes into more paranormal realms like 
how does our concept of storyline, how does it affect us on really deep levels? And so we start with things like, let's take a look at the placebo effect. For example, the placebo effect is essentially us being drawn in from a story, perhaps from a doctor in some case, to such a point that our body will react in a way that it's not really necessarily supposed to, you know, like, mm. hey, you know, where, you know, where the, in the wars, this was, ha this was happening all the time. They'd run out of painkiller. They would start giving people sugar pills, but if they built it up and told them, this is, you know, this is the strongest painkiller ever, it would work on a really high percentage of the time, you know, just yeah. Yeah, the that, that's, effect that, is a huge thing. There's been a, so many yes. studies. It's crazy. And it's fascinating. I find it fascinating. So we kind of, I kind of start with those kind of ideas, like, cause we don't think of things like that, like the placebo effect in terms of narrative, but it is, it's, it's our relationship with storylines. So that's what I study. I, I find storylines fascinating. So of course I'm a huge movie geek. I'm a, I'm a novel geek. And I, you know, and I, I love it when uh, when a movie works for me. So that's uh, hmm. that's that's why I'm here. That's why I I love talking about this stuff. So yeah, I love it. Um, so so that uh, what was the YouTube channel name and then the show name one more time? Sure, the YouTube channel is called Conscious Migration, and uh, yeah, Ian Jaded. If you punch that into uh, into YouTube, you will find me. I've I've just got one channel right now. So yeah, I, I uh, basically I just. Take an episode, I take a topic, and we go into it from the perspective of what does this look like in terms of narrative and how narrative affects us on subconscious levels, on superconscious levels, on, all, on, 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 on our physical level. I find all of that fascinating, so... Awesome. I do too. I do yeah. too. And and with that in mind, I think that I'll use that as the segue right into what we're talking about. Yes. Uh, today we're here to talk about Hellraiser 2, Hellbound, directed by Tony Randall, who would go on to direct the third film as well. Um, I'm ex I'm kind of interested to use your your like super conscious subconscious <laughs> process here as we break this movie down a little bit. But um, let's let's start at the top. Why are we talking about this one, Ian? Uh, I, this, so I'm a huge fan of Hellraiser. I've not read much of, you know, of the books. I know that these are based on books. In fact, the only Clive Barker I've really read, I think I read, uh, you know, there was a movie called, oh, Nightbreed. Guys, remember Nightbreed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Nightbreed. Yes. The book, the book is called Cabal, I believe. Uh, it's been a while since I've read it, but, uh, you know, I was, so I was kind of a Clive Barker fan in general, but Hellraiser 2, um, I feel that it takes what they did. I like Hell. I like the first one too. Uh, old too. school, practical special effects. I really oh, love yeah. what they did with it. And then Hellraiser 2, I feel, takes it onto a newer level. I feel it takes it into a more philosophical level. And it's kind of a trippy movie. And that taps right into where, where my mind is at. So I love it when uh, a movie takes it into you know, some more psychedelic realm, psychedelic horror. Hell, that's really what the concept of my first book, Tripping the Fields, really about. I like psychedelic horror. Uh, mm. And it's been, and there are some very psychedelic concepts about it, even though it's still essentially also just a horror film as well. So I love it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite out of the series. So, yeah. Perfect. Love it. Uh, Hope, now you and I and Jesse have uh, previously been a little at length about uh, Hellraiser, so I'd like to throw you a little different kind of a question here. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, 
do you remember the first time you saw this second one? And do you remember like comparing it to the first one? Or did you see them in this order? I guess is a better question. Um, what, what order do you see them in? And do you remember comparing the two? Do you remember what your early memories were around this? So, yeah, I did watch them chronologically. You know, I saw the first one, then I saw the second one. Um, I saw them in conjunction with each other pretty close together. I know it was one of those, like, blockbuster movie night type of deals when I first saw them. And um, I... It's hard to remember my exact thoughts. You know, it was it was one of those things where I was just soaking everything in. Um, and like I said, I kind of did, like, a double feature, like, back-to-back. So I just, like, went one right after the other. Wow. Um continuous story kind of thing that's cool yeah yeah um the the big thing for me though is is it it's again it's hard to remember my exact thoughts because especially since recently we've done a deeper dive um i read the hellraiser the book that hellraiser was based on a hellbound heart just within the past year i you know the new remake whatever you want to call it on hulu i i We've done that. I've been like kind of going back. There's been so many different documentaries about Clive Barker and Hellraiser in and of itself that I've mm. watched within recent times too. So like it's kind of getting all convoluted with each other. It's just all this new information with like all this rewatching. It's hard to really encapsulate like my exact thoughts other than just like mystified over I, I just know that I loved yeah. it when I first saw it. You know, it, it was one of those things. I, I, at the time, I wasn't, like, trying to do my film rescue, like, hat on, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so. No, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so so did you rewatch it uh, for this episode? Do you have, like, a fresh, a fresh yes. view, too? I'm yes. very curious about that as well. Yeah, I, I try to always watch, other than the exception of an episode that we just did recently for other thoughts um, and reasons, uh, <laughs> I, try, I try to watch all the movies with, you know, within a week's time of our episodes just so I can be a little fresh on it. <laughs> I have to rewatch Hellraiser every once in a while just for the heck of it, just to see how it, how it holds up over the years. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. yeah, like I, Hellraiser is one of those films, anyways, that I always like. I put on every so often just because it's one of those films I love. I, I, yeah. I just get a kick out of it. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Jesse. How about you? I know you've uh, spoken out. I think on the previous episode saying you liked this one, or maybe that was yeah. me. I know. I, I know. I really enjoy it as well. Um, I mean, it's got its issues. We will get into that. But uh, what yeah. are your thoughts uh, opening up the show here, Jesse? Well, I'd seen the original long time ago. I really like the original. It's one of those uh, Halloween watch movies. I, it's in my Halloween watch list. Um, the second one, I don't know if I put it into Halloween watch list. It's definitely a good extension of the first one. Um, and I think I watched the first four, and then I tapped out. I've seen like clips of the straight to video ones that happened afterwards, and I was like, "Yeah, these don't look good. I'm done." Uh, we'll <laughs> get into that a little bit later. Henry Cavill. Oh yeah, Henry Cavill's in. I think the eighth one, the one where it's like a game world or something like that, and like, <laughs> oh really? Yeah, it, all of those, oh, all those straight to video ones, they were actually scams. They were meant to maintain property rights by the Weinstein's. They were just using them as a means of milking the brand. Like, mm-hmm. Pinhead is barely in those things. The Cenobites are barely in them. It's basically, they're just slasher movies. There's nothing interesting or dynamic about them. 
until they eventually did the reboot, which came out earlier, uh, or it was today, um, last year. Last year. Yeah. yeah, like which is really good. We did an episode on the Hel- on the Hellraiser reboot. It's a solid B plus. It's got problems, but overall, considering what happened before that, just miles above everything else. Yes. It was yeah. weird to get it was weird to get that and Predator or a Predator sequel back to back as yeah. like legacy sequels that were both really really good. Gee, yeah, kind of crazy. Was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, on, on the same on the same channel too. Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Which means that uh, Pinhead at this point, because the new Pinhead is played by, played by Jamie Clayton, Hulu is owned by Disney. Therefore, a Pinhead is now a Disney princess. So there you go. Um, yeah. So uh, I bounced right the fuck off this movie the first time I saw it. I mean, flat face did not like it when I was young, and it wasn't until I revisited the series as an adult, like with a critical eye, that I actually came around on it. Um, and I and it was for the dumbest reason. I'm going to tell on myself. Well, did you watch them in order though? First of all. Yeah, so so I was okay. fifteen. Well, Seth, and- knowing your background, I can honestly see why. Oh yeah, I, I so I was fifteen and I had watched the first one, and like was sneaking to find the second one and found out it was like centered around a female protagonist and just bounced right off of it because mm. then I was like, well, that's fine. They have this doctor here. He'll be my POV character. Uh, Except the, yeah. <laughs> the doctor's not the POV character for a kid who thinks of himself as a good person. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. So I kind of bounced right off of it. And then like the effects were cool. And that's kind of what I was there for. But like the story never really connected. And it wasn't until I rewatched it as an adult uh, that I like figured out what was really happening within the like what what kinds of things they were trying to talk about within the story and and that kind of made me like it a lot more and then when Jesse voiced that he also enjoyed it I was like oh maybe there's some good shit in there so when it ended up back on the slate I was really stoked to to see this because I think I like this one more than the first one now mm-hmm. on yeah. this watch I'm I'm excited to see what our film rescue is nonetheless because I'm I'm excited to see what you guys think doesn't work about it but I kind of really dig this movie. It's not a traditional slasher. This came out at a time when, like, Freddy Krueger and the Halloween sequels and um, Jason Voorhees' Friday the 13th movies, this is when, like, slashers were, like, everywhere. There was, like, incessant. Like, this is so disconnected from that. The sequels became slashers. Clive Clive Barker isn't necessarily a slasher guy. He's more psychological. All of his stuff is highly psychological. I agree. That's what it's a fresh take on it is because of that. Many slashers would like to think they're psychological, though. That's, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, right. like Friday, like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street tries to say it's a psychological film because it's about the characters being killed while they're while they're asleep. No, it, it, they may as well be awake. It, it's just yeah. a gimmick. It, it, it is a, just a slasher with an interesting villain. That's that's you know, it. Yeah, and that brings me to a question that I actually have for you guys that I that I don't I really don't know the answer to, and this is going to lead also into Hellraiser two completely. That when we talk about a horror film being more psychological, more intellectual, do do you guys think that adding a intellectually complex component to horror does that diminish it somehow? I get the feeling that so many horror writers are like, look, I'm here for the blood and guts. I'm here for the scares, you know, and that's going to get in the way somehow. And I don't tend to agree with that at all. In fact, I get so I, I sometimes I wonder, do, do is there a concept that most horror fans are not terribly intelligent? You, you ever get that sense? Like, well, they're kind of 
knuckleheads for the most part. They just want <laughs> they want blood and gore. These are not deep thinkers. But I find that every time a horror film really does try to kind of go into more of the intellectual side of things, I think that works personally really well. But that might just be me. What do you guys think about it, that? It depends on what the audience is looking for. Like, I mean, Hope, you said one of your favorite movies last year was Terrifier 2. Would you say <laughs> Would you say that that is an intellectually stimulating film? No, it is not. But <laughs> exactly. On the other, but on the other hand, I my love of horror goes far and beyond. Um, just just this past weekend, actually, I saw Infinity Pool. Holy oh shit. yeah, I'm seeing it oh, next I'm weekend. Curious. Don't give me, I'm, don't I'm give anything away. About that. Yeah, I'm curious. No, about I'm not that. gonna give anything away. But like, is that Cronenberg? It's, it's his son, son. Brandon Cronenberg. That's Brandon okay. Cronenberg. That's what it was. That all right? That's what the whole family's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> of course and, yeah. and good at making movies yes. oh, yeah they are um, no but like so and the thing is but my my love of horror goes far and beyond just like your slasher like yes one of my favorite people is Freddy Krueger love him yes. obviously yeah. I do love Terrifier it's like a new up and coming cult classic There, but but then you flip switch, and I love X. I love. Oh, I want to see. I've not seen it. I want to see that. Like yeah, Pearl. Like if you think X is good, Pearl is another right. level. Um, Pearl so, was and, so surprising last year. That movie was. And, oh god. And they're psychological. So and those, like, yes, you'll get a little bit of blood and everything, but it's psychological. You know, yeah. um, there's so many. Uh, like honestly, some of the films that have scared me the most have had the least amount of blood and gore in them. Quite honestly, oh like, yeah. Like wait, um, hereditary. Might, right. Like a lot of people. Well, kind of yes and no. Um, but like a lot of people know, like who who are listeners know my background as a crime scene cleaner. Obviously, yeah. blood and guts and gore is not going to affect me like the normal mm. person. So when you get into the mind, when you get into the psychological horror, that's what'll trip me up. Yes, and that's I what I like because blood and guts is like that's just another Monday for me. Honestly. Yeah, by its and by <laughs> itself it's boring. If you don't have a good story that has pulled me in around it, it's not gonna interest me. It's like once you've pulled me in intellectually, I feel like then then when the the horror does come on, it hits so much harder for me. Like, oh God, like this is yeah. kind of means something now. There's a there's some yes. weight behind it. Yeah. I, I love this question. I want to answer it almost two different ways, but maybe maybe that maybe my answer is I feel like there's two different kinds of psychological horror. Mm. Um my example one is the Evil Dead remake. Like oh. you care about these yes. characters. They're they're cool people, but it, what they're doing to themselves and to each other is fucked up and horrifying it's yeah. not deep though like it's not asking you to ask very depthful questions right right and then and then i but i still think of that as like psychological horror even though it is gory as well very broadly applicable then you have movies like jacob's ladder and mm. that is psychological fucking horror that is Ugh. just like diving into a psyche that is horrified i will I, watch that movie again I, I i i've watched that movie a couple of times and it is so disturbing i yeah. i don't i won't do it i'm just like you know what i don't yeah. like where it takes me because it's it, which it, that makes it a great film though don't get me wrong i'm like it is totally. amazing that it was able to do that but yeah, that's a no, dark film. Basically, basically, anything that inspired the Silent Hill franchise is probably fucked up and weird and horrifying, and you should probably watch it. Hmm. I was, was going to say, like, um, 
there's so many other movies that you could say are like that. Like how the Babadook, that honestly yeah. didn't really have any death in it. That didn't have any blood and gore. It was right. all about a woman who is a single mother dealing with her child in this otherworldly thing. You yeah. know, we have also movies like, um, oh gosh, what? Uh, Blair Witch Project also, I would say, falls uh, under psychological. Not, no, mm. not at all. I would not say that whatsoever. I mean, so it's 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 not about the Blair Witch. It's about people unraveling and losing their minds in the middle of nowhere. That, I could go into It definitely didn't thing. age well. It's got problems. Well, I was going to say, you know. I could go into a whole other thing with Blair Witch because half of that was the buildup and then half of it was the movie. If you didn't mm. have the buildup yeah. that it had... Because they did, like, propaganda things. Like, they, they posted yeah. the actors actually were dead and missing. Right. You know, things like that. Uh, so yeah. there was all that buildup. I, I, I remember kids making the little uh, stick figurines and putting them in their schools. and, and <laughs> like, oh, like, Silence yeah. of the Lambs is another great one, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Psychological. Yes. Old boy. We have, you know... There's... Ooh, I never thought of Old Boy as psychological horror. I, I think of it more as a thriller, but I can definitely see that, absolutely. Dude, it'd be Ooh. horrifying to find out you fucked your daughter and were tricked into it, dude. Hmm, <laughs> yes. Sur surprise oh, for Old Boy, for people that yeah, haven't seen say, it. Spoilers oh, for Old Boy. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say who. Don't say who. Yes, that movie right. fucked uh, me up for so long, dude. Ugh. I was about to say, we actually did like a split the difference episode for uh, Funny Games. That's, yeah. I would say that yeah. was psychological yeah. horror. One of my favorite movies ever, um, I actually cosplayed as her at a couple at a convention. Um, I did Asami from the movie Audition, which is a Japanese horror. Oh, Jesus Christ. That, <laughs> you know, that's psychological. That really gets into you because it's oh, just... Oh, just there. There's so many things that aren't bloody and gory. That really yeah. just so yes, I 100% agree with you, Ian. Like, holy shit, yeah. I I could yeah. go on to this topic for ages because this is like again, this is my roots. This is my life. <laughs> so, yeah, I sent yeah. I sent Seth on TikTok a funny little bit. I. I sent Seth a uh, thing that says family movie night. And all the movies were like Solo, the hundred days of Sodom, a Serbian film. Yeah. Cannibal God. Holocaust. Wow. Oh my gosh. Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Oh fuck dude. Ugh. Well, let, let's, uh, let's turn this question in on Hellraiser. Uh, yes. Where is it meeting our expectations and where is it not? I think that's kind of the heart of the, the review portion we want to get to before we start writing on it. Um, uh, let's let's run with hope. Hope, what does not work about this movie for you? What what are you bouncing off of? So uh, one thing that doesn't really sit well with me is the fact that I I, I feel like they're they're going too many places at once. Um, mm. This movie did all the lore in ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, like like they tried to they tried to do too much all at once, and I think that's its biggest flaw. Like, yes, it's a continuation of the first one, but they also try to do like the beginning of Pinhead, you know? Yeah, yeah, like his backstory, but there wasn't really a backstory to him. Exactly, I I, I feel the same way. It's like they tried to 
touch on a whole lot of and i like that they were trying to give backstory i wanted backstory right but i felt like they right they sh- that should have been a whole other film <laughs> right or drawn it out over several films like yes. i like the idea of telling me more about pinhead how did this start but again you just get this small little vignette i'm like okay that doesn't really tell me anything it doesn't you know okay he used to be a person i get it like you know the, all right that that's nice to know but I don't know. I, I wanted, well, then give me more then. So maybe, yeah. maybe that could have been like a thing, like with continuation of films, um, like you got little bits, like more and more of him yeah. every movie, mm-hmm. you know, like instead of it just being wrapped up with a bow in the second film, kind of, right. which kind of ruined it. Like you <laughs> could have had the continuations where you see like a little bit more of his past with each film and that would kind of like link the films together especially if he got rid of Kirsty after the second film so it it, it, yeah. it would have been a whole thing but they just they, they try to do way too much all at once and it's because they try to wrap up the Frank aspect they try to mm-hmm. wrap up the Julia aspect they try to wrap up Kirsty. they try to introduce new characters then it's this new villain who you know, you want to get to know more about him, but it, it it's just it's he doesn't have he, go- he doesn't have nearly enough backstory. Right. 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 He, while everything is good, exactly. it's too much all at once. And unless you have a five hour film, it ain't gonna happen. Right. No, I agree. I totally agree. Yes. On top of that too, I found that the more um exposition ridden sections tend to kind of feel like uh like almost old Star Trek episodes, like like people trying to explain science ish things in a way that makes it sound like heavy but also connectable. I that that's where it would really because the imagery wise, the imagery is so workable uh, that I, I think that's where I really got felt the pacing the most was just these like kind of long winded Star Trekky explanation blah blah blahs, and it's like oh my god, just get show me how this works and then talk about it after. That would be much more interesting. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, show, show and then maybe tell later or something. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I, yeah. yeah. And the stuff they did show, I felt throughout throughout Hellraiser, there's so much, you feel, I walked away feeling like, okay, I just saw a whole lot of stuff that's very metaphorical. There's a whole lot of, you know, they could be interpreted really a lot of different ways. And I, you know, and I found myself when I first saw it, I saw it in the theater when it first came out. I was like, oh God, I gotta go see Hellraiser 2. I was pretty young. Uh, and... I don't know if I, I don't know if I was even old enough to technically see an R-rated film, but anyway, I, I remember walking out going, well, that's given me, I feel like that's given me a lot to think about, but then as I've watched it over the years, I'm like, I'm not sure if it does or not, or if it was like, did they know? Sometimes I watch that and I'm like, I'm not sure how much they understood what they were doing. Like, we're going to throw this cra- these crazy elements in and you are just kind of left to figure out like, well, what is you know, what's going on here. I felt there yeah. was a, a yeah. lot of that. A, yeah. a lot of that worked for me too. Like I'm thinking specifically the, um, the mattress regeneration towards the beginning, that whole segment, uh, just from, from him cutting himself up through the body coming out of the mattress and the, that whole sequence, I was like, I don't know exactly what's happening, but I know that this is not good. And like, it, it has set the stakes. <laughs> like, I don't need I to understand <laughs> the metaphysics. Like I, the stakes are set. This is really fucky. Yes. I would make the argument, though, that it does break the rules because in the first film, the way Frank regenerated, he was like literally nothing under the floorboards of the attic. 
Yes. And then in this movie, Julia just rises up out of the mattress, almost half formed. And I'm like, wait a minute. Shouldn't you be like a a sludge or something? Well, there is, they they do kind of talk about that, how she was like, there's a reason they sent me back. Yeah. Because she was like. Oh, that's right. That's right. So that so it, it's kind of like yeah she it was rushed but they they tried to be like oh you know you you know they it, there's a reason she was sent back Frank was just slipped under their fingers she was a pawn well and wasn't I, I'm trying to think just logistically because it has been a minute since I've seen the first one his remains were already in our world when they kind of paid with that life to get. Uh, him back in just his muscle form, whereas yeah. I feel like Julia has not been in there for very long comparatively with the story, so maybe they had only got to the point of getting her skin off when she then gets called out at that point. Like, I don't know how time works in this, so like, I, I want to answer your question, Jesse. I'm forgiving it softly in my head. There reminds me of a Swamp Thing storyline where um, after Swamp Thing kills um, the main villain of his storyline, Arcane, he ventures literally into the underworld and he finds Arcane being like devoured by these disgusting bugs over and over and over again, but keeps regenerating because he's, he's dead. He can't die again. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, it's been, it's been years since I've seen you Swamp Thing. And Swamp Thing just goes, it's been three days. And Arcane goes, <laughs> three days! <laughs> yeah, it's a complete freak out. And it's like, oh my God, I'm here forever. Oh no. <laughs> Right, we're yeah. gonna go. Yeah, old yeah, South but... Park joke. Where am I gonna go? New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Well, another yes. thing I, too, I will say is um, also in the books, Jesse. I know you and I have read the books. Yeah, so there's three. Frank, there's technically Frank. there's was it there's three books I believe. There's the Hellbound right. Heart, which is the main original story. There's a second book, and then there's a short story that's just about the Hell Priest. AKA right, right. Pinhead, the, whatever. The the point I was getting at is Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go Frank, for it. Frank comes back because as he was dying from the Cenobites giving him his ultimate pleasure. Like that's what he asked for was ultimate pleasure. Yeah. He or died, ultimate sensation. Ultimate sensation. Ultimate sensation, ultimate pleasure. Because he wanted the pleasure. Mm. Um mm. so he actually died from an overload of all sensations, but he was getting off on it. So he was masturbating while dying from all these sensations. And he basically, he came on the floor and when the blood mixed with his cum on the floor, yeah, that's how he became regenerated. Well, that's, oh. just solid, that's just solid science fiction writing right there. Yeah, <laughs> truly. So, there's a whole other thing to how Julia came back versus Frank. They obviously oh. could not put that into the feature film because British censor boards would never allow for it. Oh, so when you see Frank... Re- originally, didn't it? Yes, it was an X rating, and they had to cut it down. When you see oh, yeah. Frank regenerating in the original movie, look at all the white slime that surrounds the uh, half-formed corpse. It's a. That's it's just their, cum. That's their homage to to his cum. <laughs> wow. That's it. That's it. That's the only way they could slip it in there. Well, that's never. <laughs> that's 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 stuck in my head forever now. Thanks. You're welcome. Guys. You're <laughs> welcome. welcome. Awesome. Yay. That's that's the this... thing about this series is that 
it the horror is a mixture a mixture of sex and violence. This is the purest form of that. That doesn't really happen in like the Friday the Thirteenth movies or the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. It's just like violence, violence, violence. This is like going to the most fucked up BDSM club you can think of. Yeah, well, because it it weirdly enough, it's it's a romance first and horror second. It's, it's yeah. weirdly like that. It it really is. Even Clive, when he was saying it, he's like, it's it's a love story first, and I'm like. Well, it's, shit. It's it's Whoa. like writing a nice little drama for your mom, but then you don't realize the intrusive thoughts have been slipping into the pages too. The, this Whoa. is like when people are like, "Oh, do you want to watch a chick flick?" I'm like, "Yeah," and I bring out Hellraiser. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a romantic comedy, sort of, if you look at it from a certain exactly. perspective. I suppose. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. So, can I? I don't want to throw us off track, but I want I. I Curious for you two who have read the books because yeah, what for me Hellraiser has even with the new one although I do feel that they it was a step up Hellraisers for me are always very it's a bit frustrating in the end because I feel like at the end of the day my fascination with Hellraiser is comes down to not the body horror or even mm-hmm. the Cenobites or anything like that. When the universe, that labyrinth. Yeah, well, when you tell me that there are these puzzle boxes that can yeah. be manipulated in a certain way, and there are possibly many of them. You know, again, I've only watched the movies. There's only references like, oh, there's like more than one. Okay, mm-hmm. but you're telling me that these puzzle boxes can somehow open up these doors to these other dimensions. I mean, my imagination just goes wild right Mm. and i'm just like tell me more how does this work how are they built how does this connect and i feel like none of those questions at least in the movies are never really answered like they're kind of alluded to a little bit maybe you know it's like this is how this how this all works you know there's my, my point is that there is a mechanic behind all of this that i feel that is never really illustrated clearly in the movies, you're kind of left to go, well, maybe this is how it works. It's the but same in, the, in books, the books, is it like that's what I was and afraid yeah. of? And that's, <laughs> and that's part of, I think, Clive's thing where it's just like, no, he's he's not, he's more interested in how he gets there and not, that's not the, too not mechanical. The, not the ride. Right. It's, it's Lovecraftian. It's, it's, yeah. It is very okay. Lovecraftian. Yeah. Like the explanation as to how they got there, who the fuck cares? It's not important. It's like, I've actually been reading, uh, going back through my Lovecraft omnibus that I currently have, uh, which has everything he ever wrote. There's like no explanations for anything. For anything at all. (laughs) It's like, why is there this civilization in Antarctica? Oh, well, it's just there. Doesn't matter. It's just, it's just there. It's like, it's not important. how do you feel about that? Does that bother you? Or do you feel that something's Uh, missing? Not really. Well, it is worth noting. I'm the only, probably the only person that's read these. The Hellraiser comic book series that came out, I think, like about 10 years ago, was the original outline they had for Hellraiser 3, which they didn't use. Hellraiser 3 is completely disconnected in every way because the studio went in a completely different different direction. Hellraiser 3 came out 30 years ago, so the comics... Well, I know. I know. I'm just saying. But they originally had an outline for what they wanted to do. And then the studio was like, no, nah, we're going to do something different. They turned it into just like a generic slasher franchise. Ugh, and it really that's... wasn't as unique or dynamic. Hellraiser 4 kind of gets into the backstory of the the boxes and stuff. But oh, yeah. the comic books, they do delve into 
Kirsty Cotton and um, Tiffany and a bunch of other friends of hers hunting down and destroying all of the puzzle boxes around the planet to close the gateway to uh, Labyrinth. So okay. it's right. interesting. It, they kind of delve into the formation of the puzzle boxes and the pe- the backstory is that Pinhead has been bored in hell because he's experienced everything, so he wants to become human again. And Kirsty Cotton, all of her friends get killed, and so Pinhead confronts her and says, we'll make a deal. How about we switch places and you can have all your friends back? So Kirsty Cotton becomes the new Pinhead, and then um, the original Pinhead becomes human again. The twist was, oh, oh Kirsty, you get to have all your friends back, but they're all Cenobites. <laughs> oh. He tricked her. Oh, he tricked her. Trick. It's it's a it's a decent story. It's only like I think about five volumes. It's way out of print. I checked online to see how much they cost. It's like sixty bucks for one of the trades, and I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I don't need it that much. Um, but yeah, the, it it is a decent story. It was the original version of Hellraiser three that never got made. That's the way my I guess it's just the way my brain is kind of wired that I, for on some intellectual level I just want to be talked into a little bit just to give yeah. me the story and I and I, this is no spoilers whatsoever but you know I think probably a lot of us are watching The Last of Us on HBO <laughs> but I'll tell you dude, what dude episode what I, 3 okay. fucking made me cry oh, fuck you God. man I know I know it totally did fuck but, you fucking <laughs> assholes the science behind it, even though, like, I I know a little bit about cordyceps. I've watched some of those nature videos of, like, how yeah. they take over beetles yeah. and ants. That shit bothers me. I mean, that that's that's a disturbing thing. And and in, you know, that, that show opens with just an, a brief explanation from, like, a doctor, right? Just like, I get, hey, and, hey, like, if this if these things were to evolve and the earth were to, you know, blah, blah. He gives the explanation of, like, this is what it would take to have this, in, you know, be able to infect humans. I feel like that little bit of an explanation, I'm like, I'm sold. I'm like, I just, yeah. that's all I wanted. Like that helps me get into it. Like, it, I'm like, it got, okay. This it got so bad. Possible. People were so paranoid about that, that like doctors had to come out and say, hey, look, this isn't going to happen. It won't happen. This stuff cannot yeah. affect humans because the human yeah. brain is too evolved to be affected by it. It's yeah. not going to happen. It can't happen. It okay. comes back to my concept of narrative. It's like the, the power of narrative is so strong that you just need a little bit of it. And I've come back to this with so many things where I see in movies where, do you guys remember the first Avengers yeah. movie? Mm-hmm. First Avengers well, movie. Yes. Okay. <laughs> real, real quick, real quick side detour, but this is going to go into Hellraiser again of like what I felt I wanted from the rest of these movies was, you know, at the very end in Wakanda, the final battle, right? The, you know, the giant ships come down, right? And, the you know, the bad the, the bad girl, she's like, you know, well, we've got blood to spare. We've got, uh, you know, and they open up these gates and these ravenous, what is it, like two-headed creatures come out by like the hundreds, right? And so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The force, the force field, right? Oh, yeah, Infinity but, War. So okay, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Was that, I'm sorry, Infinity War, pardon That's me. That's Infinity War, yeah. The first, yeah, infi- yeah, not the actual first one, it was... Uh, the so, nameless faceless horde basically is what you're referring yes, to and they Every do Avengers that movie. so much but i always felt like what if they had just taken i swear 60 seconds and if that girl would have stood there and said so by the way guys we got these creatures who have, we have starved on the way here from planet bizarro world whatever oh, and yeah. these things are the apex predator on this planet you know give me a story a little bit and, and you know just like and we're about to just unleash these things onto you and then just give me 60 seconds of an explanation i just felt like then once those gates opened up and these things come out that would have hit me 
so much harder. Like, oh God, they're in trouble. These things are, they sound really bad. They sound, but then, you know, they just want everything to be relied on by the, uh, you know, the, the great creature design, which the creature design was awesome. I mean, it's like, yeah, guys put all this effort into making these really disturbing looking monsters, but give me a story. Tell me something about it. Yeah. What, what are these things? What, you know, I don't know. That that's what that's what works for me. That that's when they go buy the comics, kids. Yeah, right. yeah. So bringing it back to Hellraiser, what your your problem with it is? Why didn't they explain what the hell labyrinth really is? Well, let, let get, me let me dial in. Yeah. I think I think I have a better question for us to answer without having to like lore dump. Because I think the question here is, what is it that's special about humans that makes the Cenobites want to come here? If if we have this oh. this like multi-dimensional uh, setup for our story, there's at least the Cenobite dimension and the human dimension. Uh, Ian, earlier you said arguably there should be more if that is the case. Um, wh- what is yeah. it about us that attracts them to us? Like, wh- it seems to me we would be less capable than a godlike pain being so like what why the interest in us that would be enough for me to just buy in with okay yeah and then they have they're from another another dimension and they have different technology and you know uh, you you i can forgive a lot if i know why it's us like that's my big issue with like the independence day movies and, and things like that where it's like aliens attack the earth because we're the only planet out here that we care about i guess you know like it's it's never because like, we live here and it seems important to us <laughs> well yeah, yeah so but it's we, like i want yeah. it i want uh, i want it to be important to the aliens and then that makes it even more important to us as to why we want to keep it so if that's if that's yeah. the same with with hellraiser the reason to like want to destroy these boxes or or maybe even the reason to want to enter the cenobite dimension like you if if we have more understanding of why they're here maybe there's like a blood sacrifice you can make to get into their dimension safely you know what i mean maybe like I, i'm just i'm trying to invent like more connective tissue between them and us instead of trying to answer like what is the labyrinth where did it come from like i i, I kind of like that it is ambiguous like jesse's saying but i i also hear in here like we we need something to latch on to as to like a why because otherwise it's like why because it's fucked up that's why yeah what you're trying to say is you wish it was more lovecraftian like in the lovecraft universe the creatures like cthulhu and they are like all these these elder gods they could give a fuck about yeah. anybody else that he doesn't play they could squash us like a bug and they don't give a shit because mm. they're so far superior to us yeah. So that's I think yeah. what you're trying to get at is that why is it that these creatures give a shit about us? Well, it's simple. Yeah. It's because like because it's us. Like mm-hmm. they they kind of look like us because hey, they're actors in a movie. But that's it. That, that's that's all you can really say is that it's just a writer's element. Like if you were to actually go into like let's say that the Cenobites look like the actual original interpretation of what angels look like in Christian mythology, like where it's like a giant orb with eyeballs all over it, that would be like, oh, yeah, now I totally get it. Yeah. That would, but, have, been, that would have been fun, too, if they would have had some element like that. Like, look, we have, yeah, there, there's, you know, people have misinterpreted us for a long time. But, well, he says something like that in one of them. Well, angels to some, demons to others, or, some, you know, yeah. that, that, that concept. I yeah. like that idea. Definitely connecting it to some ancient, or, you know, other mythologies or even religions. That would, that would, that's fun. Well, I mean, even in the book, yeah. they they describe him as like very ambiguous, very like non androgynous kind of. Yeah. So, like Pinhead yeah. is even said to sound like what is it like a small child or something like but, that. Both male oh. and female, but not yeah. adult. Like yeah. 
Hence the casting of Jamie Clayton as the new pinhead. Mm. So mm. she's tr- she's trans. Like that makes perfect sense. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, I, I would go, like go some watch Sense Eight. Of... She's really good in Sense Eight. Yeah. Oh, oh that's, yeah. that's something that so many people have told me that. But then I've heard that they cut it off after a few seasons. I'm like, uh, that kind of bothers There's, me. So, there was uh... there was two seasons and there was a wrap up movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that yeah. helps. Makes me feel better. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's more like one season and a one point five in a movie, but <laughs> how do we feel about the actress, the main uh, Kirsty? Uh, how do we feel about uh, her leading the the show there? I'm... Uh, <laughs> she's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate her. I mean, I don't hate her, but I don't. She's not. She's, she's not she a great actress. Anything. She's she's not she, a great she's actress. She's not. She is this not. Just, it, these yeah. were like her first roles, by the way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't so, surprise and me. And they yeah. like that was her first role, and they brought her back. She's since gotten better in really her tenure of acting. That's good. That's good. Um, I always confuse her and uh, what was her name? Uh, Heather Langenkamp. They look exactly the same. See, hmm. so you also have to forgive. Like a lot of these people were like, it was a ragtag crew when Clive made sure. the first one so yeah you gotta give it's a little you know you gotta take it with a grain of salt that that's clive barker say. clive barker admitted that he didn't know what the fuck he was doing making the first movie right. he, he really admitted it, it kind of shows like there's some bad visual effects every now and again there's some kind of poor acting it is funny on the uh commentary track for the first film if you get to listen to it the the bum that goes into the pet shop that starts eating all the bugs. Oh yeah. He, he kind of looks like Alan Moore, <laughs> the comic writer Alan Moore. And they <laughs> oh, mentioned yeah. that on the commentary track and Clive, who was a friend of Alan's at the time, said, No, it's not Alan Moore, but it would have been funny if he said yes to do that. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been really awesome. Oh yeah. I remember that guy stands out. That was one of the standout things where I'm like, I don't know who that guy was, but he was I remember genuinely uh disturbing looking, but um, yeah, but I also want to say that yeah, I totally agree with you on the special effects. It's weird because their special effects are almost all over the place. I feel like there are some effects that they do in that in the first couple of movies, yeah. really, where I'm like, the 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 practical work that they do is amazing. The mm-hmm. I mean oh, that yeah. body, the bodysuit that she's wearing that with the all the muscle tissue, in it, it is amazing work. And then there are some other things where I'm like, wow, you guys didn't throw any time into that particular effect at all it's weird it's like uh it's a real hit and miss sort of a thing i feel the same about this one that's my big negative of the movie some of the visual effects especially the stop motion not so good (laughs) not so good Uh, better stop motion like i get it you were you were kind of limited at the time of what you were using but yeah even the stop motion is not even the best stop motion i've seen yeah Yeah. hey seth remember when i said that uh the Chenard Cenobite looks a lot like uh, Palpatine from Rise of Skywalker. Do you oh, see yeah. it now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just Palpatine. Absolutely. Nice. I see it. Fuck's sake, man. <laughs> oh, what a bunch of bullshit. But yeah, the, the visual effects. There's sometimes there's some good visual effects in this movie. And then there's times where the the backdrops and the matte paintings are just like... Yes. Just, like, Painful. Ooh. They run through that labyrinth, so I'm like, you guys are using the exact same uh, screen. I, I, I noticed stuff like We that. have one hallway. We got to make You've it got, work. Right. You've got yeah. one hallway, and I think it's like 20 feet long, and you guys are just, just using that as, t- how, you know, as much as you can. Literally. Uh, even if they just would have made 
another or maybe one or two more backdrops. I think that would have helped sell the labyrinth. Cause they How much do, does like, plywood cost? I don't know exactly. <laughs> How complicated. Go to Home Depot, guys. Come on. Jeez. But, uh, oh, but the idea, you know, it's like, but the I, I like the idea. The idea behind yeah. it is just, you know, all these different cells that, you know, they're moving across with all these crazy things happening in each one. It's like, Jesus. That was the nuts. thing we complained about with the new Hellraiser, which was... You see Labyrinth again, but we're kind of like, where's all the people? Like, this is a big, big world. Where is everybody? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They don't do that. Yeah, there's not like really There's no people sense. wandering around. Like, isn't this yeah. a functioning society? Where is everyone? There's only like the five Cenobites, and that's it. Where is everybody? <laughs> yeah. We couldn't afford any more extras. We were out of money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, Ian... Uh, yeah. One, one more thing I wanted to comment on. Sure. This, the actual, like, overlong structure of the movie. You know, first act, second act, third act. Is it just me, or does this movie not have a second act? It doesn't... It's, it's not so... A tradi- it's not a traditional, yeah. Yeah, it has an elongated first act, and then a very truncated third act. Like, this movie just stops. It does. It's so odd. It's like, it's going in a direction. In fact, I feel that's almost... Part of the problem is that the momentum is confusing because I don't, I'm not entirely sure what everybody wants. You know, where are we going? Like, what is actually, are we doing? And I, I mean, there's some explanation, but there's so much, again, I feel it's, I love the metaphor, but I feel it gets so down, well, down a rabbit hole in all of these various, you know, the visuals and taking us into one place and then another place. And I don't feel a real there isn't a, a, a strong momentum through it. Like, hey, we're trying to get to this to this thing at the end. I, I, that it's clear that I, I really understand because again, everything has been so shrouded in. Well, what does this mean? I'm not sure. You know, there's things that are explained. Why is it important that the girl doesn't talk? You know exactly what happened there. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, there's a little bit of explanation there of like, you know, some traumatic thing happened. I love, by the way, that the first thing that the girl does speak out loud is, what is it? Oh, shit. I thought that was pretty <laughs> yeah, funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's just, that's, that's a great scene. It's just like, oh, that's her, that's the first word she speaks. That's great. Tiff- <laughs> Tiffany gets no character development in this movie. I think, she's, I think she's a prominent character in the comics, though. Oh, really? Yeah, she teams up with Kirsty and a couple of other people, and they are hunting down the uh, the puzzle boxes around the planet. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think that sounds like exactly the issue with this series to me, though. It should be new people every time. This movie goes out of its an way. anthology series. You're saying, yeah, because yeah, this movie goes out of its way to reset characters so that we can use them again within the movie, and it's like, do we need to? I mean, I would have been totally fine following this fucked up doctor that's. Feeding mental Absol- patients to uh, absolutely, you know, like yes. I, I think an on- anthology really is the answer. Um, and and That's look, they kind of yep. they they kind of set it up like that at the end of the first movie, where the winged creature with the bad visual effects flies away with the puzzle box, and it just kind of goes back to the very beginning. It's like, hey, what's your pleasure, sir? It's like that that movie wraps up in a nice neat bow, right? And yep. then we just come back to Kirsty in a mental hospital. It's like. Eh. Yeah. And Did I we need why. to? It's like, you know, so when Did I. Did we just do it again? Funny. Like, just Frank just shows up again yeah. to right. just be here. It's like. And you go through the same the same routine. I totally agree. And I feel like, man, it's, it's cool. I like it that when there's a nice continuity where you're like, okay, you're going to pick up and you've got the same 
you know, the same actors. I do appreciate when a movie is able to pull that together, but sometimes, especially with this one, I did ask why, just like you, like why this wasn't really worth it. I would have brought in some new people. I would have replaced Kirsty with somebody, I, you know, yeah, make it a different character or something. And I yeah. like the, I, I do like the idea now that you're mentioning it, we would have just more focus on this doctor's journey that, you know, like, tell me more about this guy. This right. guy like, certainly is, got an interesting backstory. Why is he so Why, right. obviously, he yes. needed an entire wing of people to right. like, with the, he, he specifically got these people obsessed with puzzles and mental illness Yes. For this, so like, oh, tell me more about that. Like that, yep. I found yeah. was so much more interesting, and how he, his whole career, all of his patients were just that. Like, what the fuck? Yep. That also delves into another issue I had, which is the movie. Th- this movie compared to the first one feels kind of mean spirited at hmm. times, <laughs> uh, as opposed to the first one. <laughs> well, wow. the first one, the first one is like it's like a traditional, <laughs> straightforward horror movie, but this one's like he's. It feels like insult to injury. He's like feeding mental patients to these creatures in yes, order to that, figure out what's yes. going on with this parallel dimension. It just feels like I, I these people saying. are not like willing victims or aware of what's going on. Whereas in the first one, Julia is like seducing men to go back to her place so that Frank can assimilate them, basically. Right. This yes. one's like these people are not aware of what's going on. Well, and, like, that could have led into uh, a much more interesting setup, which is, like, what if the Cenobites showed up and were like, oh, you can just keep providing us people? Hell yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, it's on hard mode in the first one, trying to seduce one man at a time. I mean, you know, for as hard as seducing a man in the 80s was. Um, But, like, if you have essentially a, a butcher's block for Cenobites... I don't know. Like, I feel like they kind of left a lot on the table in exchange for following characters that we know from the first one that, again, arguably, we don't really care that much about. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I think. There's a reason Pinhead is the character that everyone associates with this series and not Kirstie. Just uh, just being honest. It's not Mm -hmm. Frank. And then you get to the third movie and, like, Pinhead is, like, the main character. Right, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and that's where the series kind of ran off the rails for me. Because, I don't like, know if I saw the third one. The third one is the one, the Cenobite that shoots DVDs out of its chest. My favorite. <laughs> oh, I, don't I, I don't think I saw that one. There's a Cenobite that literally has a jackhammer shooting through its head, like, pounding into its skull, like, literally <sighs> skull fucking him. I great, love it. great. It's it's <laughs> the it's monster wonderful. designs are not the issue with the third one. They are not the issue. It's the it's the the silliness. Like Motorhead did a cover of Ozzy Osbourne's song Hellraiser, and it's in the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Oh wow. That explains the tonal difference between the third movie and the first two movies. Jeez. Oh my god. I'm so, not kidding. Is the, is there an element of this? I and mean, I don't remember the doctor's name, but is he in the Chanard. books? No, no. Dr. Chanard. It's Dr. Chanard. That's the oh. other issue is that at the time, there was only the one book. Okay. So they're All building right. off of like the, the barest scraps from the novel because the novel adapts. It's the, short. Is a, and it's, it's short. It's, it's, it's like 160 pages, something and like it's that. It's very print, short. Like, it's, it's a quick read. <laughs> It's more like a novella than it is a novel, but there's almost nothing in the book that you can really pull from. They make mention of the engineer, they make mention of Labyrinth, but there's almost nothing else to pull from. So a lot of this is just being invented for the sake of the film. 
I don't know how much influence Clive Barker had on this movie, but at the time there were no sequels. There were no sequel novels, so I mean he's this credited is just, as doing the story, right? I think he's credited as doing the story. Let me check that real quick. Yeah, he was still behind everything in Hellraiser 2. It's just he Yeah, been... story is still credited to Clive Barker, but screenplay is by Peter Atkins, so mm. Well, he and Peter worked yeah. hand in hand with a lot of things that they did together. Interesting. They were so he um they, I was watching a documentary and they were saying like Clive would never just do one thing. He would be directing someone while shooting the movie while drawing one of his photos and then in the other hand writing another book like he was always multitasking always doing something so like that might have been what it was is he he could like he he could never stop he always was doing more than one thing at all times wow yeah so, yeah. so hope what what doesn't work in this movie for you uh, I, I just how we were saying, you know, we want more deep dive into the story. Um, the the whole, again, I I agree with everybody so far that the whole Kirsty thing, maybe it should be an anthology if she's gonna be in here. Um, I have it. So a perfect example would be like in Nightmare on Elm Street when they did the Dream Warriors. How. Mm-hmm. She, our main girl, you know, came back, but she was a doctor to help. Yeah, now she's in a different, yeah, she's in a different role a little bit. Exactly, to help the new generation of fighters. Like, that's how Kirsty should have been. Like, it should have been. Oh, interesting. You know. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Read the comics. That's what it is. (laughs) Uh, I know. Just. (laughs) (laughs) I own the first edition of the comic somewhere. Somewhere that's in a case somewhere. I bought the first Hellraiser comic, and it's the only comic I can ever remember buying. I was not a comic book person. There was actually, back in the 90s, I remember Boom Publishing was doing this. They did this back when they were doing the the sequel series. They actually started re-releasing the 90s stuff, and there was actually one story written by, at the time, Andy and Larry Wachowski. Wow, really? Yeah, the Wachowskis actually did a Hellraiser story. It was about these guys that go off to a cabin and play Russian roulette, and it's it's very weird, and basically the Cenobites show up and just force the the last two guys to continue playing. <laughs> oh my god! Awesome. Yeah, they're actually pretty good little one shots. Yeah, I don't know if they're in print anymore, but uh, yeah, they're little interesting little side stories. Yeah. Hope I want to ask you, piggybacking off of what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. If you get going off of what also the rest of us were talking about. What if you had just gotten rid of? Christie entirely. I feel that there's a movie there with that could have been told about the doctor and his relation, this yes. crazy relationship with um. Oh God, what's Tiffany. Her name? The crazy Tiffany. Well, well, her too. I I think we should definitely keep Tiffany in, but you could. I think we could have gotten with rid him of him and Julia. Him and Julia. Exactly. Oh yeah, Julia. There could have been. I could have watched there and you know built on their story and focused more on them, and then perhaps again we could have wo- uh, wove Tiffany still into this, and maybe she would have still been the one who still saves the day at the end, kind of, and you know whatever. But I, I almost wonder if you could have just got rid of Christy entirely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or if Christy was involved, it would have been very minor because if you still have Julia, obviously Stu- Julia is still like, well, 
Kirsty's reason why I don't have Frank. Frank, and yes. that's the reason why you know Frank turned on me, and I'm in this situation. So if she, it would maybe like very subvert her role into something less than like main character. But yeah, I yeah. I see what you're saying. I could see her yeah. and Christy coming back in an anthology as like like internal parallels of each other with Christy being the doctor and like being reminded of all, all the stuff that happened. And then Julia, all the time she spent in that dimension, uh, maybe even hating her for knowing that she was out there living the rest of her life. Um, you, they could turn into like, you know, kind of interesting parallels to each other to, then strung along with the Cenobites and our, our new cast. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, do we have any final thoughts before we uh, jump into the pitch section? I'm really excited to hear what uh, what Ian's uh, got. I have one last negative. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, of course you do. The <laughs> moment when Channer shows up at his as his Cenobite form, which is an awesome design, by the way, uh, when he confronts the four main Cenobites, like Pinhead and the and uh, the Chatterer and all that. They don't put up a fight at all and they get no, killed they off very don't. quickly, dude. There's what no the fight. fuck? I thought you were guys were in charge here. What the hell? You- Dispatches with them very quickly. Like, was that pissed an, me barely off. Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> that the really only, pissed me off. The only thing that I can say is, Kirsty had already began, like really turning the gears of them being human. So the only explanation that I could give personally is maybe they were like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. I, I I'm done. You know, because they were starting to realize, oh, wait, we aren't just this. Because before they're like, we're all, we're omnipotent. We've always been here. We are this, we are that. And then as soon as she started to say you were human, then they were like, oh, oh, Mm. oh. And then that's when Dr. Chenard showed up. So that, that would be the only, not that it's a good explanation, (laughs) mind you. (laughs) But that would be the only thing I can think of is because at that point they were already so screwed. They were like, we went from thinking we've already been here. We've been omnipotent. We've been this and that to like, oh shit. No, we're, we're humans. Right. Mm. Like what? Yeah. So that, that would, again, not the best explanation, but that would be the only reason why they were dispatched of so quickly because they were hit at a weakened state. You know, yeah. it, it's it's yeah. like, um, you know, an assassin killing someone while they're in a coma. You know, <laughs> like, it's an easy target. <laughs> yeah. That's easy a great explanation. They threw, they threw <laughs> all that explanation out of the window in the third movie, where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's Pinhead remembers who he was. He was Elliot, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Elliot Spencer. Like, he totally just forgets. In the third movie, oh, it's like of course, yeah, because of course, it's because we want to keep our main villain around. We need right. the movie to happen, sure. It was all for nothing. So. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's get into the pitch. Does anybody want to take a, a break in the meantime, um, or we we want to roll? Uh, yeah, I want to take a break real quick. Yeah, let's take a quick break. Sure. Hey guys, it's Seth from Jaguar Sharks. We just wanted to steer you towards our TikTok channel. It's kind of popping off right now. 
Um, we had a video kind of get caught up and go viral on our Less Jedi episode, and uh, we're just kind of having fun with that. So we're just directing everyone who listens to the show to uh, to head over to TikTok. Follow us at Jaguar Sharks Pod. You can see clips of our show, and we're going to update with videos from us, uh, questions of the week, topics for the day, and uh, the movies that we're into. We're excited to see you guys over there, and happy to have you here listening already. Back to the show. I'm here with Jesse and Hope and Ian. Ian is going to be taking over the show from now on to lead our writing session as we pitch. What if What if Film Rescue did our own Hellraiser too? Ian, your show. Take it away. Fantastic. So you know a lot of this we've covered, of course, already at this point. And actually, since uh, we've been talking, I have changed a few of my notes now that you know sharing some <laughs> other ideas with you guys. I'm like, man, some of some of my ideas are. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of liked what you guys have been saying. So let's just, let's start with a few over, let's start with my general philosophy on a couple of things before I go into more of the specifics. Cool. My attitude, first of all, is that about special effects. Um, mm. When it comes to special yeah. effects, I have a lot of opinions about how special effects should be done. And my attitude is always that if you cannot do an adequate special effect I would always recommend you just don't do it then. Find another way to do it. Find, either just allude to it or find, do something else. I think a bad special effect does so much more damage than, you know, than just not leaving, you know, than, than leaving something more up to our imagination mm-hmm. or, you know, somehow hiding it. And I think that there are several things in part two that, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm like, man, that kind of pulled me out. I, I feel like this wasn't, you know, there's some weird elements. And I and I think some of it comes down to uh, that I already know what they're capable of. I know what this series is capable of, especially when you see the first one and I see some of the, you know, Frank being put back together type of thing. I mean, those were fantastic work and they did some great, uh, it looked like, some of it was mixed with a stop motion animation, but I felt that they sold it. I thought that it worked as he is, you know, his spine and all of his nervous system is being formed and whatnot. And so, you know, you kind of get used to this level of, of, uh, <clears throat> of expertise. And then in the second one, I'm not saying it's bad. It looks like, it seems like they had a much larger budget in, in the second one, but it seemed like they kind of maybe spread way too many of the special effects, you know, a little bit too thin and focused on some things here and other things and in other ways. And, I just think it kind of hurt it in in some cases. So I would have, I would have found a way to even things out. Like, look, if I can only do say I don't know twenty really fantastic effects, then I would you know get that number down and just go look. I'm going to sell those whatever my lower number as opposed to trying to make you know do like fifty to hundred effect shots that are like eh some are hit and miss and whatnot. So. That's kind of how I how I think about in terms of special effects. Yeah, today this yeah. would be no problem, but back then it's like right. on yeah. the budget that they had with the production time that they had, it's totally. just the cracks totally. just show so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like the Indeed. rear screen projection on this movie is just abhorrent. <laughs> when they're yeah. in labyrinth, it's terrible. Like they're oh, like walking whites. in a void. <laughs> oh, yep. they're they're like walking in a void. It's awful. 
Yes, totally. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah, this is one of the... Less is more. Less is more. Less is more, and I think that even some of those backdrops, if they would have even just worked with the lighting, possibly, I think they could have sold those backdrops, even if they kept them maybe a bit more in the dark. I'm like, I am so obviously looking at paintings. It's just... It it, it pulled me out, and I think that's what it's all about. It's all about what pulls me out of the narrative and what pulls me back in. So with that in mind... You know, going from the beginning, again, we've we've talked about a lot of this stuff. I would either get rid of Christie entirely. That's That was my initial idea, that either we go with a completely different actress. I wouldn't even care if you stuck with Christie, like that, that it's the same character. I honestly think it would be worth it, at least in the second one. Maybe she's become a better actress at this point. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the direction. You cannot always blame you know, the actor on the, you know, there's a lot of actors, you know what I mean? Like we've seen Natalie, I've seen Natalie Portman do terrible work. And I'm like, I know Natalie Portman can act, you know what I mean? So I'm like, so sometimes it's about what, what they're being given to work with. I appreciate that, but I would have possibly gotten rid of her entirely. Like I said, and stick with the rest of the characters, focus on, I want to hear more about this doctor. I want to follow his story more, maybe make it more of a, you know, that we don't have to have it match entirely with the first one, like, hey, kind of go in a different direction. Tell me about what's this guy been doing? What does he want? That is the biggest thing that I feel that so many things, this lacks in so many movies where you're just like, I don't really know what this character really wants. Like, we know that he's chasing after something, right? He wants to get into this world. He knows something about it. But, you know, he also, obviously, this doctor seems also very surprised with how this all ends up for him, right? It's like, this is clearly not what he expected, you know, his final transformation, how he gets, you know, taken over and whatnot. So I would have liked to have seen, what is he trying to do? What does he imagine that he's doing here? And then that let that lead the momentum of the story. The way it's written, I feel like I don't really entirely know, and that always bothers me. That always makes a movie a little bit weak, uh, Mm-hmm. Going God, the, the, the thing off the top of my head is Black Adam. Uh, if you've seen Black Adam with uh, with the Rock, I'm like, I'm like, I watched that movie, and again, you've got they've had nothing but special effects. But I'm watching this main character going. I don't know what this guy wants. I don't know what his deal is. Yeah. and he's just kind of doing things as the script sort of you know you know makes him do. It's like, well, we're going to push him over here. Now he's now he's in this situation. Now he's in this right. situation. But we don't really know what he wants and I feel like if we would have uh, we know that the doctor's intelligent. We know he's clearly doesn't have a whole lot of morals or ethics. He wants he knows something about this world. He wants to get into it. But I want I wanted more. I wanted tell me more of a story that he wants. I think this should have been written along the lines of it's all about what this guy's trying to get into. He is looking to get into this world and maybe he he is just looking for pleasure. He's looking for sensory stimulation beyond what he could have ever achieved on Earth. I mean, there are some references to that, but I, I feel a lot of that is very cloaked. Mm. Uh, we, it reminds wanna, me of like, what they did with that? the... Um, yeah. what's, what's the main villain's name in the new Hellraiser, Hope? What's his name? Was it Voight? Oh, is his I, name? I, I know. I, oh, that I, sounds I right. cannot think of it at the top of my head. I'll look, it, I'll yes. look it up. The guy who's got the machine attached to yes, him? Is that what you're talking the, about? Yeah, yeah, that guy. That was yeah, fucked, yeah. by the way, dude. Boy, that was yep, awesome. Yep, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like that's what you're talking about. Like that, like yeah. a guy that really wanted to experience something more, and then right. realized, yeah, I made a mistake. <laughs> Take right. it away, it, please. It all comes down to it's it's the simple 
you know, storyline of the monkey's paw. That's what it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, right, sure. There's always a catch, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Honestly, I'd almost be interested in, in finding a human character that is into, like, masochism and sadism. Like, like their reason for wanting to get in is not sexual. Like, sure, it will be sexual in nature, but the reason they want in is the pain. Like, I would be so interested mm. in following a character like that. Right, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They that's... Deserve, like, they, they're so like self-hating that they think they deserve the pain and that's their Ooh. own punishment. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that could have been written into with the doctor, but I also feel that as we if we had followed him a little bit more, we could have followed a little bit more of his journey and they could have then bothered to go by the way as he's learning about this, you know, maybe you could have explained to us how did he even hear about these boxes? How did this journey begin for him? And then they could have done a little bit more explanation. Give me a little bit more lore. Again, I am a I'm a narrative guy. I so I want to hear the story. Tell me the story <laughs> behind it. I want to you know I I want that fed to me on some level. So I wish I could have seen. All right, now I'm learning a little bit more about where these boxes came from. Give me a mythology behind it. I like the idea that these boxes have been possibly in some form or another have been, you know, in every civilization throughout, you know, throughout history, you know, all that sort of thing. Perhaps there's been many versions of them and, you know, uh, tell me that story. Tell me what's going on with that. And mm. we need a motivation for this guy. That's, that's why he's doing this so that this all makes sense. And there's lots of different ways to give him a very specific motivation, something that he desperately wants and i'm fine with the whole monkey's paw thing at the end where he's like whoa i didn't i didn't expect that it was going to be like this that i was going to be you know subjected to all these horrors as well clearly that, that he didn't feel that that was part of the the bargain but right. uh, that's that's what happened so, of course now later he goes oh my god and you know what does he say uh and to think that i hesitated right he had you know right. so yeah. obviously right. he, he loves he, like, what's accept, happened to yeah, him at he the accepts end. it and he's like oh this is the greatest thing ever you know mm. yes he gets to become Emperor Palpatine. It's amazing. <laughs> exactly, right. I would have liked... <laughs> I will never Ooh. let that go. <laughs> I, uh, one thing I have an issue with is Christy meets this doctor who helps him or helps her at, get out of the hospital. Kyle. Do you remember? Kyle. Kyle is only... Oh, yeah. You know, here's the... I actually kind of like that character. He was. He seemed like a smart individual. I kind of liked him. They kill him off. I felt kind of soon for where I felt like man this is kind of a you've brought in a good an interesting character and he doesn't really do much of anything they introduce this guy and man it's almost like immediately they kill him off you know Julia comes in and just devours him right yeah, and, and it was I don't way, know I felt like that was weird way too easy for someone of his, his intelligence like he shouldn't have just been like oh you're up behind me in this house we just broke into I'll trust you yeah. like really <laughs> yeah also, what what happened to Kersey's boyfriend? Remember how he was in the first movie? Where'd he go? Oh, yeah. That's they right. just write him off being like, oh, yeah, we sent him home. Like, okay, yeah, he's not they, coming back? They just mentioned him, and that's it. But my my guess is he was so... They, 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 it was easy to write him off because he was, like, so fucked from the experience. He probably didn't even want to talk to Kirsty, quite honestly. <laughs> like, Okay, that's it's, fair. It's like, that's it. We're breaking up. <laughs> this, was a, this was a terrible Look, date. Look, you, you opened a portal to hell. We're breaking up, damn it. I, I could deal with the cheating, but the sadistic Cenobites is too far. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. That's where... <laughs> 
Chains and shit. Ugh. I'm not okay with it. No, thank you. This is not the kind of club I wanted to go to. Gosh. <laughs> so when it comes for me, when it down to, I don't know that I need to know more about the Cenobites world. I don't know how much more I need to know about the Labyrinth. I feel that they do give you some ideas about how twisted this idea is. I mean, if you remember the uh, the black uh, spinning light that's kind of spinning around and it kind of makes this sound that's very much like a almost like a fog horn Mm -hmm. or you you imagine something like almost this is a lighthouse except i I, and i oh leviathan the the leviathan Leviathan. yeah uh, that's the godlike creature that oversees all of labyrinth yeah that's right so leviathan i felt like that could have been perhaps flushed out a bit more uh, as we got into the into the labyrinth i'm fine with that remaining mostly in, you know, in the shadows, I'm fine with that. I wish they would have explained a little bit more about, again, what is Leviathan? What is, you know, that's what I would have done. I would have created much more of a backstory of this is what this thing Ooh. is. This is what, this is what, this is what it is. This is what it represents. This is how it's interacted with humans. And as we said, I think there should be a con- more of a connection to humans, which brings me to back to the mechanics of the boxes. I don't necessarily need to know more about the labyrinth and all that stuff, but I do, maybe it's my own personal interest. I, I find altered states fascinating. The idea of altered states of consciousness, endlessly fascinating. So of course I'm the guy who wants, I want to hear the story of how those boxes work. Tell me the story about, all right, if these are opening portals, tell me how, how is the puzzle box connected to these reality? And there could have been a really fun idea of how the mechanics behind it. They don't need to spend a long time on this. Give me a story. Give me something along the lines of that's going to sell me more on got it. That's why when you click it this way and it goes in this formation, this happens. Now, they did go into that a little bit more in the new one. Yeah, I I like the kind of cheater's box thing where it it cuts you when you solve it. I like all those stories that they, and I almost, and, but that was my feeling about even the new one on Hulu. Like, tell me more like you're t- like you've got got this idea like somebody had some more insight into well there's these different formations that you know that yeah. this box can turn into and they all do slightly different things i love that idea but i wanted that i felt that they could have really pulled that into part two like give me more of that story well i feel like that's that. that's going to be sequel material if they ever do a sequel to the new one which at this point it's up to disney at this point like the idea that disney is in sure. control of this franchise just kind of makes my stomach churn right I just don't to think of that like god damn it <laughs> yep but at least it's not the weinsteins um right. yeah, exactly. but but yeah like if they ever do move forward with another one i feel like that's what it's going to be it's going to be like a new version of hellraiser 2 where it's like okay we're going to see the other side of the world now yes we're going to see what hap- what's happening in this parallel dimension and with more special effects, with updated special effects, you know, man, if you've got a writer with a lot of imagination, this could be just so much more intriguing for me. And yeah. so, so there's There was that. surprising stuff in that new Hellraiser. The fact that they were able to sacrifice the Cenobites and not ordinary yeah. people, like when the Chatterer got torn apart, I was like, oh, you can do that? <laughs> I right, didn't know you could right. do that. Yeah, <laughs> that was surprising. Again, because no one's place. ever laid out. 
exactly because no one's really laid out this, the 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 rules for this world at all. So I'm just yeah. like, okay, that's how that works. All right. Would you well. <laughs> would you like to impose any rules or backstory for the Leviathan or anything like that within your pitch? I think that, uh, you're you're asking questions now, and and I don't want to leave the episode with questions. You know, right. <laughs> Yeah, so my idea for what I saw from the movie, the idea of the Leviathan, that it is, you know, every time the black light would hit them, instead of like a uh, uh, a lighthouse that kind of shows you where you're going, I would it seemed that the black light did exactly the opposite. It kind of showed you where you had been, mm. and it started giving, you know, that, I mean, because every time they would get hit by it, it's like they would have all these, you know, these insights and memories from their past, right? So I felt that that could have really been expanded on the whole idea of that there that this that this is some sort of energy of of the universe that does exactly that and it it, it's the it's the opposite of the light it is the dark and this is what the dark does it can pull you into the past and it can pull you into you know you know the more of the evil sensations and all that sort of thing just you know making it the exact opposite of a of a heaven (laughs) on on, on many levels Mm. you know uh so all right so like the you know so this is what the dark does to you and and how it how it can corrupt you in 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 all those sort of ways yeah yes and that this has been perhaps this has been the basis behind all of the concepts of hell behind all the religions and whatnot if i love it when there's some sort of like when we tie it together like this has always been here this is an ancient thing that is that has been here forever and we are not the first humans who have come across this so i I, if that would have been woven into the story more of that this has been around forever and people have traveled here before and people have, have tried to tell stories, but there's, you know, so it all comes off across as lunacy and, you know, and you get things like, uh, uh, you know revelations in the you know Ooh, yeah. you know in, in the bible where it's like look of course this is insane right of course this sounds insane because it is insane that this world is insane but it's not but it's a very real place that you can go to and this is how exactly you get there that's what i would have loved i would have loved you know give me that you know give me that storyline this is this is the mechanics this is what you need to get there then i need to, then i understand exactly what my characters need to do i'm like okay he needs this, this, and this out of the box. This is what he needs to. This is what he needs to to uh, to do with the box to get where he wants to go. And this is what he's trying to do with Leviathan. Now, what that guy wants with Leviathan, maybe he sees it as a god. I would have liked that idea that he is simply a. In many ways, he's a. Uh, kind of a uh, a monk on a pilgrimage on some level, I like the doctor that. I yeah. mean, the, the idea that this is more of almost a religious thing for him that he is on this journey right that he's like look it doesn't matter who I sacrifice you know I don't doesn't matter what terrible things I do if I can get to God and I can physically in the flesh you know connect with this with this force that I'm going to be you know one with God you know yada 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 I mean I I would have liked to have seen that that he has gone through the sciences on some level on earth to essentially get to this religious experience. Well, that, that even makes sense because in the first film, Pinhead, uh, the lead mm-hmm. Cenobite, even when Kirstie asks like, who are you? She says, we're explorers. He doesn't say yeah. we're demons. He says, we're explorers. And I like that answer. It's a great answer. You know, it, it does. It does. Exactly. It's not, it's a very ambiguous answer, but it tells you like, okay, this isn't just like, like you there's said. nothing malicious about it. Right, like don't they see don't like see that. what they're doing as being malicious. Well, and their exactly. moralities are way different than 
like hours exactly. with me because yeah. their their sense of living in life is is way different. The way they experience things, the way that they see things, is a totally different level. It, it's kind of like that whole like human versus ant thing, like just our like Lovecraft room. yeah like, it's like Lovecraft. our living like my living room is an ant's entire world type of deal but it's just my living room so it's like you know I feel that that is you know you're talking about the idea of like well what is the connection between the Cenobites and the humans and to me that is that would be the natural connection which I feel is kind of alluded to on some level but I think they should have driven this home like look because we are these creatures we have lost our humanity we don't have a connection to our physical forms like we used to and you know we don't we are not really personally able to experience the things that humans can we've lost our ability to experience the deep pleasures and the deep pains and all that sort of thing so we come to humans because you are the right combination you're not stupid animals you're intelligent animals with bodies and nervous systems and we crave you know that taste of you know um, reminding us of what it was like to feel something again and for them again it's not necessarily pleasure or pain it's not specifically good or bad it's just like we miss that pure raw stimulus we miss pleasure and pain and i think that's what is you know that's what they want they want from us mm. yeah anyway. seth you sounded like you had like a big revelation just now what the, <laughs> what, did. what did you I realize heard, i heard I heard that no, too. <laughs> yeah, so when you said we're explorers, they're exploring the limits of human like emotive experience. So maybe right. they are cut off from that stuff uh within that world. That that it led what what really happened is it led me to a very sacrilegious pitch for how to open this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. So okay. <laughs> what if we start off in like 70 AD with uh, Saul of Tarsus, the biblical uh, character. Oh, God damn it. I know what you're going to do. And and on the road to Damascus, he is met by an angel in the Bible, right? What if he had oh, a fucked it. up Cenobite experience finding a uh, lament configuration box? I love it. I absolutely and love that's it. The, that, that's okay. what I'm talking about. That's what I'm that's talking the about. opening to Pull our movie. Pull it back into history. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pull it back into history. Like, that this is like, you know, into the lore that we kind of understand and go, these things have been here forever. And, and, that, yeah, and that's why to, he changed his yeah. name to Paul, is he had this, like, genuinely religious experience. I love it. I like and, it. And, yeah, and, yeah, and that's, his, that's his belief as to what hell is, too. That's why he would want to propagate the message of Jesus in his time to be like, yeah, dude, I've literally been to hell. You don't want to go there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I have, also, I've, can I can I make a statement? Like these are not demons, and this is not hell. Right. right. Uh, the right. misnomer that is called Hellraiser is this is not hell. Well, Let's make this yes. very very clear. Well, because hell, hell is not yeah, even mentioned not. in the Bible. That's a thing that was made up to scare people. Yep. Totally. Yeah. It, like it, it. It is like the the demon story narrative, as Ian would put it, is what we've applied to them, but they are. That is just our like storytelling aspects to make sense of this world that we don't understand. It sounds like they're much more technologically advanced uh, and on many like biological levels, on technological levels, on yeah. spiritual levels. They they may maybe outside of our dimension. They may exist in like the fourth or, or fifth dimension, and then they like make their way down a dimension to interact with us. Like I love that idea that like we only understand them as demons, but they're so much more than that. 
It's like if we were to visit an alien planet with an inferior species. Of course, we're going to be seen as that to them. Yeah, it's the or same vice thing. Versa. You know? like... Or vice versa. Yeah, it's the same. It's so yeah. These are like these are explorers from another world that are just mm-hmm. like. It's like if we were to visit a, another world and we were the the superior species and they were the inferior species. Like it's the same situation. Yes. Mm. You know, it it doesn't. It, it like 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 I said, it's Lovecraft. Yeah. Like the yeah. creatures in Lovecraft, Cthulhu, Nyarlathotep, like those gods, they look down on us. Are kind of like we're we're ants to them. Right. We're nothing. Yes. We're yes. we're nothing. I I don't want to pitch something too out there, but what if like there were other species of Cenobite, and like humans Absolutely. are just one hey, aspect. What, what would happen? What happens if a Cenobite plays around with the puzzle box? Does he open another dimension to, to another way? <laughs> to, to, what what See, happens there? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We we need these questions answered. <laughs> Does this go down and down and down until you eventually you just reach like I don't know fucking. <laughs> I don't know, fucking bedrock. <laughs> yes, yes. Nope, there's no further levels. <laughs> just eh. Yeah, I like the idea of like different kinds of Cenobites or just different kinds of whatever. I mean, maybe, you know, this is just a kind of a multiverse sort of a situation. Yeah, I'm, or, I'm almost imagining like being a Cenobite is necessary to exist for long periods in that world. You know, like the humans that go there to visit yeah. are doomed to die if they don't become a Cenobite. So I'm almost saying like, what if you adapted a different species in, you know, a different dimension uh, species has their own, like, base level, and then they have Cenobite versions of themselves in this world, too? Because then we could go a little more Lovecrafty, and I'd love to see some some less-than-human stuff. The whole thing, too, of how the Cenobites, when they explained it, they're like, oh, we've been here forever. Well, have you? Because you haven't. So who made you? Like... What, what sure. was the what was the original exactly. Cenobite like? The Prometheus question, <laughs> right? I've got, oh no, I got questions. Damn it! It was black goo. I swear it was. <laughs> so I've only that, got a couple other. Sorry, but but that Please. does but the other thing. Like they, so humans can actually in in this film, like Kirsty and Tiffany and Julia, they wander into this world. And it's like there's oxygen. They can walk around. Like yep. I thought this was a parallel dimension. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. It's just like like exactly. you're saying, Seth. There needs to be rules of how we walk around in this universe. Like, what if it's like there's no gravity? Mm. Like 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 the movie Labyrinth, where the stairs are upside down and they're running upside the walls. Yeah. Like, why is this only like up and down, like in a normal vertical pattern? That's what I would have liked. I would have liked more of the M.C. Escher type of stuff yeah. to go, you know, to be mm-hmm. mixed into this. And you get this feeling that, you know, they didn't, you know, they were limited by you know, how much work they were going to be able to put into these, you know, these larger scenes and whatnot. But totally, that would have been awesome. Like, yeah, give me some crazy, yeah, some real twisted M.C. Escher sort of a sort of a thing for sure. That would that's the terror stuff. It's like, yeah, you're stuck uh, in here and you can't get out like an Escher painting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're just constantly running up this set of stairs that continues to keep warping back on itself and you can't escape. <sighs> so There's hell. Other... That that's True. hell. True. That that is hell right there. <laughs> that's it. That does sound like hell. Just never ending never ending stairs. <laughs> yep. stairs. Oh. But uh so like I said, if we do get rid of if you were to get rid of uh Christy or at least push her in give her a 
you know, get rid of her entirely or change her out. It doesn't matter. What I do think that they missed a huge opportunity with is uh, the idea of Tiffany not speaking and then she does kind of get the ability to speak. I mean, the whole not-so-subtle metaphor of finding your voice, I felt, was something that they alluded to and they touched on, but that could have been something awesome. I really felt that the idea of Tiffany's character could have been this, this uh, you know, same sort of person who's kind of uh, an innocent who is, has been pulled into this, you know, with because this doctor is just tearing through everybody. And as she's moving through this world, I like the idea that there's a little bit of this story arc with her that she learns, you know, she's the the intelligent one who's able to step back, who's not uh, power hungry like the doctor. She's maybe a little bit more intellectual. She's more inquisitive. And she's the one who kind of figures all of this out at the end. And she's the one who figures out how to ultimately stop him at the end. I mean, I like that idea of like really driving that story home that she un she figures out how these boxes work. And, you know, and again, that can, that can teach the audience as well, give us a little bit more details about how the mechanics of the whole world works as she, re you know, as she understands that. And then, of course, I like the idea of her literally finding her voice. Now, they turned it into a joke, which was fine. I mean, it was a great joke where she just, she finally says, oh, shit, that's her first mm -hmm. words. And right. it's, a, it's a good gag. I mean, but there's other ways that, that I'm not sure that, you know, it could have been handled in a much more impactful way. We were like, finally, she's finally stood up on her own two feet and now she's a badass, you know? And then, you know, I think that would have been nice to have her the ultimate, you know, turn her into, make it clear that she's really you know, the heroine of the story. I, I like that idea that to have it more wrapped up with that, that the, the doctor's gone, he's gone off his rails entirely. And you know what his idea of meeting God is not exactly what it turned out to be. And he's just on a rampage, who knows, just destroying everything. I even like the idea of somehow that, uh, you know, he's going to pose a threat, you know, to humans, even more so than the Cenobites and, and that uh, Tiffany, you know, is somehow the foil to his plans as well. Oh, yeah. yeah so, I love the idea that like yeah. he, he, even as a Cenobite would recognize he could come back to our world and start bringing people yes. through. Um, and and right. if that's his goal at that point, that, that does become a very frightening uh, uh, cap end to leave open for the girls. Right. Yeah. Also, if, if I was to, like I said, this is not hell. This right. is, this is like, that's the misnomer of this series. It's called Hellraiser, but this isn't totally. hell. Like it's if not. I was to die and I was a horrible person, I'm not, am I going to labyrinth? Is that it? Is the puzzle box like a shortcut? And, and <laughs> yeah, like right. that's that's what you're saying. Like there needs to be rules. Like this is yeah. not. I think calling this Hellraiser really kind of hurts the series okay. because it, it's. What do you think? Got, these you aren't another, demons. Uh, an idea. These aren't demons. Yeah. It's not hell. You well, know. The, the thing is, they went with it was a hellbound heart. So like, I think that Clive was going for with the with the book originally was like hellish acts for the acts of love type of deal but in, a desire for horrible things right it, but it translated to a movie obviously he's going for a horror so he wants to, it, it it all it's all a translation to what sells and you know hellraiser that's a name whether you like it or not that's a name <laughs> Yeah, I, I always thought the Lament configuration would be a great title for the series. I think it, it's such a really like flavorful series of words on the tongue. I, I just the Lament mm. configuration. It just it seems deep and yeah. ancient and and 
and it, like I, I think it functions great within the script itself as as the name of the MacGuffin. But like I think it could function as the name of the series too, because then it's it's all about the boxes. It's like the the questions could be left even more ambiguously, because then it's about like is there a did like Tiffany solve the box the right way to open a labyrinth, open the portal without getting grabbed by a Cenobite or are there is there always a Cenobite on the other end of one of these things? And maybe in that case, she was lucky because they had just called Julia through, and Julia's otherwise occupied. Like, I would I would love to know more of the connection between at least the Cenobites and the and the the boxes, and maybe making that the title would kind of push us that way. See, that's that's what I'm talking about. To me, that's much more of an intellectual, more you know. Headline or a, or a title as opposed to you know something that's just more nuts and bolts Hellraiser yeah the lament configuration that's that that right away it tells you that hey there's something more behind this this is not just a slasher horror film like there's a you know we've got some ideas here and I think that that I don't know I think the whole series the part two and the rest of the series in general would have done so much better if they had gone more in that direction mm. absolutely. But then you get to Hellraiser 4 where they did Hellraiser in space. You don't like that? Oh, no. Did they? I, I think I – I don't know if I, <laughs> it's how much awful. I saw of those. I know I've seen one and two several times, and I watched the one on Hulu. I, I don't know how much I've seen of those other ones. You can stop but, there. What, there's like – yeah, You can stop there. <laughs> that was, that was, uh, that was right. Jesse's takeaway from that episode was watch the first two and then this one, and then you're done. Yeah. 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 Hellraiser so 4 – is so bad that the director declared Alan Smithy. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it, it's that bad. It's like three separate time frames detailing the the creation of the first Lamentation box. Mm. And it's, it, it, it is a jumbled mess. So uh, It has some of the best kills, but it's an awful movie. <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, there's yeah, just so much sucks. potential. That's that's like I said at the beginning. That to me is what what I like about Hellraiser for me, for me is almost like it has so much more to do with where my imagination goes as opposed to how much they've actually shown me in these movies. Yeah, Lovecraft. It's Lovecraft. It's just Lovecraft. Yeah, you are tapping into like so much like possibility here, but I feel like then the writers have just barely scratched the surface each time. I'm like, damn it, take it deeper, take it further. Yeah, I want to know more, you know. So, yeah. well, hope as the uh, the resident horror horror. What kind of things do you want to see in a Hellraiser movie? Let's. Uh, I I feel like we've we've got a, a bunch of great functional ideas, but I think you've got some some flavor to to slap on the top of this. A lot of what I would like to see is, you know, I the one thing is. I would like to see the one thing that I think the new Hellraiser did, which was phenomenal, was when what 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 was um the the, the guy's name Vic Voight Voight there Voight. you go the, yeah when it sets he, him up as a centibite at the end well yeah. when he was being transformed how they were peeling back his skin how they were doing all this stuff like when Ugh. they showed um, Doctor Chenard he just like done he was our centibite i would have loved to have seen the train like the true transformation yeah all you saw right. was like the wires real quick and that was it and then he was magically transformed like no like deep dive into that transformation i want to see that body horror cronenberg that shit um <laughs> <laughs> like 
I agree. You know, totally. Like, yeah. Because like, that's what we're here for, too. I mean, we're here for that, for those, for the body horror as well. You've yes. got to have that in. Yeah. Like, the body horror is what gets me more than the blood and gore, honestly. Like, yeah. that, that would get me more because then you, it could show you more. And then maybe, like, as how, how we were explaining how we'd like to see a bit more of the backstory to the Cenobites, like, maybe we see a bit of their life every time that like they transform a bit or like it's like flashes or you know maybe every time that they use kind of like a a thing how in like wolverine whenever he uses his claws he's actually opening holes in his skin and it gives him pain like oh yeah like maybe like whenever they use their like chains or hooks or whatever they're you know, a weapon of choices, like it, it triggers something, you know, mm. like that, that makes it that hellish area, you know, because that's maybe that's why they didn't fight as much. Maybe it hurts them to use all these powers. Maybe that's why they use humans to do their bidding and only use their own things when necessary. You know, maybe that's mm. that caveat of being omnipotent and having all these senses is because like how the book explained Frank died from an overload of sensation. Mm. Like, it wasn't like right. that they attacked him. It was literal overload of sensation. So maybe play that into effect. I, uh, You know, there's so many different ways you could take this, especially when you... Uh, obviously, each Cenobite has changed according to, like, how they were brought in as well. Maybe mm. that plays a part of it. Like, why is each Cenobite so different? What was their right. sensation or their wish or whatever? Like... I agree. Yeah, make it more specific to their psychology, perhaps. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is your particular thing that's going to happen to you that you either really hate or whatever. There's something, like, deeply connected. It's not just a random, like, well, this is your S&M outfit that you get. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more, too much more, like, specific. Like, what was the chatterer, like, a 12-year-old boy? Yeah, that's like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, wait, is that a little kid? <laughs> like, what the hell happened with him? There's so many, like, different explanations you could go into with that. Like, there's... Oh, totally. So. Do we even need Frank? God, no. no. <laughs> that that felt... Like, that is there in the movie to ex- to get Kirsty back into the story yeah. of getting to Labyrinth. It is, it is there for no reason. <laughs> right. We If we get rid of her, we don't need Frank. The only part of that little scene that I did like, I like the little idea of, and again, it's like sort of that monkey paw sort of idea that, that the women are, you know, are, you know, are, are always They're taunting him, him in hell. Yeah. They're taunting him, and he's like, and I can never touch him. You know, I, I like that idea. Like, to, yeah. on some level, at least to show us, you know, firsthand, like, hey, here's some of, like, the specific tortures that are, you know, they're all, there's all sorts of crazy things that can happen down mm. here. Yeah. 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 Also, can, can I point that, out, there's no can I point out that Kirsty like, somehow stops Frank by burning one of the cloths on top of one of those... <sighs> tables i'm like how the fuck did you know to do that right. <laughs> how did you know that was yeah. gonna do anything <laughs> who knows <laughs> the writers yeah. knew she didn't yeah exactly yeah yeah it, it's one of those things where the end of this movie feels like things are just happening yes but there's yeah. no like real connectivity between them there's no cause and effect right. it's that um south park uh thing right where it's like it's and then and then there's no but therefore yes yes right. like julia just shows up like <laughs> in the entirety of labyrinth she comes she just shows up diving out of that mattress <laughs> 
<laughs> Surprise, bitch! <laughs> but again, I, I I agree. I don't I don't hate this movie. It is no. when you look at the, the direct so to DVD sequels. To, yeah, there's so much to the movie compared to like Hellraiser four onward. This is like a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, like I I will sit down and watch this movie any day. Do not get me wrong. Out of all of our film rescues, this is like still high high ranking in my opinion you know it's it's because the groundwork watch hell world if you want a good laugh but that's about it right but like the groundwork is you get to see superman get impaled multiple times with hooks that's great okay Okay. henry cavill's in it yeah it very skinny very gaunt henry cavill is that gaunt or is he unnaturally large now um, Hope, what were you saying? Uh, hey, HGH is a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Oh, gosh. That's... Ugh. Get a new joke, Jesse. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got. I got nothing else besides that. I think that if th- those basic yeah. things, I think if they pulled some of that together, give me some more details and... Uh, uh, you know, and maybe again, I don't see a real huge reason for Christy and uh, give me some more details and even out those special effects. And, you know, if we had a nice wrap up at the end, that sort of made sense. Like you're saying, like the ending, you're just kind of going, okay, uh, what exactly, you know, what are the implications of all this? What the hell just happened? Okay. You shut this door. I don't know. Uh, but the th- things seem to escape like those, like souls or something seem to escape through the door at the end. I don't know. I'm like, well, okay, well, what does that mean exactly? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I can make up all sorts of, of ideas, but uh, I think if there would have been much more of a clear idea of uh, Tiffany pulling it all together and kind of saving everything at the yeah. end, I, I think that would have been a little bit more. Uh, yeah. satisfying if nothing else like all right i feel like there's been a nice you know a little story arc here and you know someone to root what for. if uh yeah the se- the sequel bait ending where the pillar of pain comes up out of the ground and it's like oh the yes. cenobites they're trapped in the pillar of pain and right. like that was clear setup for we're gonna do a hellraiser three we know we're gonna do it sure and so it's like it's setting up for a way for pinhead and the other cenobites to come back mm-hmm. that's yeah. like that's the biggest thing like Trying to warp this into a traditional 80s slasher was the wrong decision. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's all they thought. They're like, we, they saw it just as, bl- you know, just blood and gore. I'm like, I, yeah, Hellraiser was never, I mean, it was about that, but when it did it, it did it really well. That's what I liked about Hellraiser. I'm like, yeah, you, they do blood and gore, but there's, you know, there's more going on behind yeah. it. There's some thinking going on here. There's a storyline. There's a world that they're kind of building, but again, uh I wanted more more world building. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, a little sacrilegious opening. Then we go into a story uh, centering on uh, anthology story. I, I like that we've established we don't yes. need Frank and Kirstie every time. Um, right. Centered around the scientist and Tiffany and uh, his, his yes. kind of immoral pursuits. I, I, it, it feels like Hellraiser 2 still, and it does not feel like the Hulu reboot, which I... We've been dancing around that this whole time, like trying not to steal ideas. Because I mean, that movie goes to show, yeah, this this is very ripe, uh, very ripe playing field for people to be writing in. So, I like that this version yeah. feels like uh, that what you would remember about 
Hellraiser 2, but now we have like maybe a little more established lore, maybe a little more uh, background for what's happening and reasons as to why, and maybe we can cut a couple yes. of these effects and uh, not have them weigh down the movie. Yeah, indeed. And I would have been fine with them keeping Julia, by the way. You know, in part two, at least, it's fine. Like, they don't, you don't need to get rid of everybody. Julia is now perhaps a part of, you know, of this totally. labyrinth world. And she's like, inter- she's intertwined in this. It makes sense to perhaps have her as, as uh, something of like a guide or, uh, you know, a, you know, a person who's kind of sh- helping the doc, you know, showing the doctor around, you know, or whatnot. It's fine to keep her totally. in. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think we could have, I would have, yeah, focus on him. What's going on with this guy? What, uh, what I want to know more Make about. Make the interesting him. characters forefront and not. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, great writing session, guys. I'm really stoked with how that turned out. Um, Ian, do you want to drop some of your socials and uh, your YouTube again right here at the end for anybody that stuck around and uh, they can go check you out as they exit the show? Fantastic, yeah. Uh, Again, my main project now is I'm working on this video series that I started a couple of years ago that's based on my last book. As I said, my, my last book is called Migration, and it is a study of of narrative on the human conscious on human consciousness what it does to us uh, and all that sort of thing and then with my videos i take a different aspect a different concept uh, on each episode and say all right let's explore this this uh this particular avenue of how storytelling how storylines affect us how we organize our world through our narratives and we go down a different rabbit hole in each particular episode and that series is my main project now and that is called conscious migration so uh, yeah go uh, check that out on youtube and then uh ian jaded uh that's my, my two other books are out there you'll you, you punch in my name into amazon you'll you'll find my other books as well tripping the field and migration we'll be sure to put that down in our uh, episode comments too yeah that'd be great Perfect. Oh, well, thanks for returning to the show. Uh, it's it's always a, a fun time having you around. We we always jump into like weird out there movies too. I like that. I like your uh, your continued I little niche here. Yes, awesome. Uh, uh, anytime, I would love to do this again. I I don't get a chance to uh, to talk about just this kind of stuff about you know narratives and science fiction and horror. That's not generally the kind of stuff that uh, that I'm usually talking about. So it's a great break for me. So. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's, a, it's, it's always a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks. I'm glad we could roll out the blood red carpet for you. That's a Hellraiser joke. <laughs> Jesse, Hope, thank you both for being here today uh, for, for your horror expertise and the, the even deeper lore knowledge that you both brought. Of yes. course. All right. And I think that's going to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for listening, and good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.